full disclosure here, your boy had a, a long Sunday. I don't know if I necessarily paced my beers properly throughout the Sunday. I mean, by 11 a.m. Pacific time, my 49er season was over, right? But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to get into that, right? And then you get a 4.30 start to this Western Conference. Lakers-Denver game two. Great game. Fun. It, it seemed it, it started off like it might not be. I was like, oh, is this conference finals? Is, is this? Are they out of gas? Is Denver just mentally fatigued from everything they've been through to get to this point? I don't know, but it ended up being a great game, right? So I go on Twitter after, and I'm just reading, you know, browsing the timeline and all that, and I see the uh, I see the thinking basketball dude takes his opportunity to say, oh, if Anthony Davis only had the dog in him, if he only had the it factor. And obviously he was taking this opportunity to take a shot at people that claimed that, right? And he's an analytical numbers guy. And you know, it's funny, Twitter, basketball, Twitter, NBA, Twitter, whenever something happens that looks good for your point of view on something, that's when everybody decides to hop on and flex and say something, right? And I mean, that's, I guess that's just kind of how us humans are, right? And so I look at the thread and I see all his analytical followers kind of just mocking the it factor, right? Let me explain something to you about the it factor because it's real. And I think when you come across someone who doesn't believe in it, it really just simply means that they haven't competed enough in a sport. And I don't mean basketball specifically, and I don't mean at the highest levels. You could go, you could go play flag football at a park on the weekends. It could be pick up hoops. It, you could be a swimmer. But if you competed it enough in your life, you eventually have run into someone who has it, the it factor, the dog, whatever you want to call it, that extra something, that competitive spirit that is just kind of special. And why it's kind of hard to explain is because you don't really see it as much as you feel it. Pause. Right. And. When you come across someone with that, you start to understand, like I'll use hoops because that's that's what I do. And that's the example is you understand like when it's point game or they're down and you're on a run, they're gonna do something extra. They're gonna elevate and try something extra. They have, they're not afraid of the moment. They're gonna take the shot. They're gonna dig in defensively. They're gonna start barking. They're gonna do something extra that gives them that it factor. And once you've experienced that enough times, you understand it's a real thing. It's a real thing that guys have, okay? And uh, something else that goes along with it is it attracts other people to them. Once you realize someone has that, now all of a sudden people want to play with them, right? There's the it factor, hence the it, hence the it factor, right? And so now fans like them more. Teammates want to play with them, right? And even opponents have more respect for them because they've seen that little, they felt more importantly, that little something extra. So in turn, when they do fail, they kind of get more of a pass because people just simply like them more because they're naturally attracted to people with the it factor, if that makes sense. Kobe Bryant's the perfect example, right? Because everybody or I won't say everybody, most people think of Kobe, hell, AD last night, what'd he say after he made the shot, right? But a lot of people associate Kobe as one of the more clutch players in the NBA. Someone like thinking basketball in the analytical crowd will quickly point out, statistically, he wasn't. 
But in our minds and how we remember it, we think of him as clutch. Why? Because he has the it factor. So it does, when you do have that, it does leave, it. you, you get less criticism at times because of it. Okay? So does AD all of a sudden now have the it factor, the dog? No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Because let's not sit here and pretend again, and back to the tweet, like people take the opportune time to point it out. Let's not sit here and pretend like we haven't been waiting for AD to play like this for the last four or five seasons, right? Now it's happening. It, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that, and he has to do it. Look, if he goes through this bubble, wins the championship with the Lakers on his back and, and being the guy, then maybe he is the rare star that in the middle of his career somehow found the it factor. Because usually you can see it early on, like Donovan Mitchell, right? Pretty early on, you're like, oh, he has it, right? And so you usually see it sooner. And AD would be an anomaly if, if it were to happen at this point in his career. But it's, I'm not saying it can't happen. He has to continue this. This this performance, it it, it it was nice. It was nice, right? But I need to see more. I need to see more. And perhaps it was it, it took him coming to the Lakers and having true pressure to bring it out of him. Because playing for the Pelicans, there's no pressure in that, right? And then maybe, maybe there's a little bit of osmosis with LeBron James. Some of LeBron's it factor has rubbed off on Anthony Davis. I don't know. It's remained to be seen. But no, no, sorry. He doesn't all of a sudden have the dog or the it factor yet. Could it happen? It could. It could. He's still he's still relatively young. He's he's still kind of in the in the front end of his of his prime, especially as a big man. Now, Nikola Jokic. I think my hair is safe, man. I think my hair is safe. But, you know, I, th I think we're all waiting here for them to go down three one. So everybody can say, got him right where we want him. Right. We're all waiting for that. But look, Jokic, it's different with the Joker. It's different because I'm not questioning his it factor or his dog. I think he has that. It's different in, in the way, you know, uh, being foreign culturally, it may look a little different in the way he, his body language is and stuff like that. But I've never once watched the Joker and said, oh man, he's scared of the moment. He doesn't want it. He's not tough enough. It's not that. What I've questioned is his physical limitations. And that's what I think we're seeing, as well as his motor. I don't, I, I just, I've questioned if he has the mental and physical stamina to fulfill and, and be that top guy, but I, I've never questioned his it factor. And so, look, I'm not here to shit on him. I, I, I think that honestly, I think he's done better than I expected him to through two games. I really do. I think what he needs to do is get very aggressive with the three ball. I know he has like every, every trick in the bag as far as the way he can score in the paint, but even for him, the level of difficulty of shot that he's getting in the paint with all those seven footers is tough. I think he's got to he's got to get out on the perimeter and fire threes, get aggressive with that and pull those big men out. If not just for his teammates, pull all those shot blockers out at him. Right. Malone, I think he should play more Michael Porter Jr. And really just turn this into a three point shootout. That's where I think they can win or at least make this a competitive series is play more Porter Jr. And turn this into a three point shootout because the Lakers, 
They really don't, you know, that's that's their Achilles is their perimeter shooting. And, and I think you could maybe maybe kind of trick them into to, to shooting more threes, right? What happens if a team gets hot from three, you usually see the other team start to shoot more threes, whether they're good at shooting threes or not. And so that would be my strategy. You saw Dozier come in there and I think it was real clear. Like, obviously, that was found money for for the Nuggets and credit to Malone for going to that kid in that moment. But I think the Lakers had no idea what his skill set was. I think there was a little bit of a shock factor. You saw him get to the basket several times and they were like, yo, we don't even know the scouting report on this kid. So I don't know how effective he will be in the remainder of the series once the Lakers have, have kind of figured out, okay, this is who he is and try to take away some things from him. Laker fans now, let me ask y'all this. Are you nervous about Rajon Rondo? Because I would be, I would be, I think, I think he could be Denver's secret weapon. <laughs> like, it, I know that he started off like great and he's had some good performances since he's gotten back from, what was he filming? Uh, Orange is the New Black season 11 or whatever it was. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, his, his, his good games and bad games are so drastic, I think. And he's a veteran and Vogel, you can tell, trusts him. I think you might want to tighten the leash on him down the stretch in that game when you got LeBron looking like LeBron did. I'm going to get to that in, in, in a second here in the second half. And then you got Rondo and LeBron and it just it doesn't fit with the personnel. I think I, I would like to see Vogel tighten the leash on Rondo down the stretch of games. He got him out of there eventually, but he's so hit or miss. And if he's going to play heavy minutes and not look good, that could be Denver's opportunity now. Let's get to the end of the game. I haven't full disclosure. I talked about my, uh, you know, my uh, my long Sunday. I, I, I got a late start this morning. I haven't I haven't looked at any of the the talking heads or what they're talking about. All I can all I can say is what I saw, and obviously Plumlee getting killed for what happened on that three ball. To me, here here's what I think happened. I'm, I'm assuming Plumlee predetermined the switch because they were worried about the lob, which would be like the plan B of that of that play would be like a LeBron backdoor or like a tip at the front of the rim. One, let's talk about time and situation. You've got like under five seconds and it's a one point game. So all of a sudden, I think Denver or at least Plumlee, again, clearly there was a miscommunication, but I think Denver overall, now you're worried about any clean shot. If it was a two point game, then now you're way more concerned with the three because you don't want to get beat. Okay, we can go to overtime, but we're not trying to get beat. When it's a one-point game, now everything's at play. Backdoors, lobs, tippins, dunks, fouls. Can You can lose the game on a foul, right? And so clearly Plumlee wanted the switch to protect the rim. He's obviously much more effective in the paint where Grant's switching out. Like if it had worked, that would have been the right way to play it. So I know Plumlee's getting killed, but ultimately I think what he was trying to do was the right thing on the play, but clearly there was a communication breakdown and then you see AD with his moment, his Kobe moment. Um, it's devastating if you're Denver because you know you, you, you look at it and you say, this that was the chance, that comeback, that game two, that was the chance to, to really change the series and now uh, you feel like that one got away from them, and, and I just don't know. You've, I think they're physically outmatched. I think they're physically outmatched. The whistles, I thought they the, the whistles were more even in game two, game one. LeBron's going to get every block charge call. That's just the way it is. But let's talk about LeBron, man, because he looked old in that second half. 
right? He looked stuck in mud. And if it, you, you, you imagine everybody we've talked about, you know, Father Time and how LeBron has just beat it. And is it going to happen overnight? Is it going to happen overnight like that? Because what you're seeing now is when the game slows down in the half court and he has to attack from a standstill, he ain't got nothing for nobody. If he's not getting the whistle, like he's just like, it, it looks real irky jerky. And then you compound that with having Rondo in there at the same time. The Lakers offense was a mess in that second half and AD bailed them out. So I, you know, again, I said, I think my hair is safe on the bed as far as Denver pulling this out. But look, I, I don't think it's impossible. Obviously, they play well with with uh, down in a series. And I think that's in part because they're not expected to win these series. There's not that pressure. But look, if LeBron is going to continue to look very old in the second half of these games in that offense, if they don't figure out a way to get better looks, um, I think maybe the series can get extended and it can be more competitive. But more importantly, Laker fans, like what's LeBron going to look like in the finals if, if he's looking like this in game two of the conference finals and uh, and either Miami or Boston has more guys to throw at him. It could, you know, they're Boston. I'll put it to you like this. Boston and Miami have, have a much are much better at controlling the pace of the game. And so if they want to slow it down on LeBron and he can't get that head of steam because he, LeBron, he looks good. It's funny. They show a highlight package of him. You know, and you, oh, damn, 35, 36, look at him. He's fine when he gets, when he's running, when he's when he's in movement, when he gets a head full of steam, he still has a crazy top speed and veracity. But again, from a standstill, it, it, he, he doesn't have nothing for him, especially if the shot, he the three was dropping in the first half, right? And then once that stopped, it was like he had nothing. And point is, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but if the Lakers advance and they see Boston or Miami, both those teams with their personnel and their coaching have the ability to dictate the pace and slow the game down. And that's going to be problematic for the Kang. As always, hit that like, share, and subscribe. I'm out, y'all.